morning, evening, or afternoon. <laughs> it's your host, Holiday. On the Straction Network, again, Printest is not here this week. It is the Wednesday episode, and I was going to talk about um, Lil Nas X and his um, new songs that he have out. <laughs> but as I was coming into the studio today, I saw something again about Umar Johnson, and I wanted to bring it to the people. Basically, um, Princess and I had already spoken about the fight that he had with, not fight, the altercation. He put out a statement about <laughs> beta male YouTubers degrading women. Um, and Kevin Samuels is, I think, the main one. Um, he answered. So now they are going back and forth, like Ezel and Smokey in the corner store. So <laughs> and and through all this, so. When me and Princess talked about this, Princess automatically assumed that I had a vendetta against Umar Johnson. So, this is what I want to do today. I want to talk about my understanding of what Umar Johnson brings to the table and what I disagree with him about. Um, it's going to be a short episode on Wednesday. Monday's the long one. But, here we go. So, when I was introduced to Umar Johnson, it was uh, uh, over the Breakfast Club. Uh, Umar Johnson and someone he worked with before had a huge altercation, and it was all over the internet. So, I came to this conversation as a listener and as a researcher. Now, um, it is 2021. I think the first time I heard of Dr. Umar Johnson was around March 2019. It may have been the end of 2018. I didn't write it down in a notebook or a journal or anything. <laughs> so, it is it's somewhere between late 2018, early 2019. And when when he talked about the school that he was building, um, the Frederick Douglass, whatever, 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 I assumed that I just caught the front end of this. Um, as in, he is going to start raising money to build a building, a school for all black people, right? Um And then he was whole tapping. So, um, when a person, so a little background about me. <laughs> uh, if you're a listener of mine, a dedicated listener, you know that when it comes to me, um, I know a lot about society, different societies. I know a lot about um, Pan Africanism, um, Pan Americanism. Um, it is this thing. Um, 
the Israelites. I know a lot about um, Rastafarian, whether you're traditional um, or we call it Orthodox. Or 12 Tribe. I know a lot about Islam. I was a 5%er. Um, so, Christianity. Um, so, Judaism and it, Satanism. <laughs> so, what I did growing up um, is I learned a lot about religion. It all came because of Greek mythology. I read Greek, Greek mythology. And uh, I had a teacher. No, was it a teacher or a librarian? I think it was It was a teacher. Um, I had a teacher in the fourth grade. And while we were, it was a librarian. I remember the librarian. Um, it was a librarian in the fourth grade. We were sitting in a classroom, and she was asking me about the books I was reading. So, um, I talked to her and I was talking to her about um, the stories, the the myths in Greek mythology. Um, I had already read The Idiot. Uh, I didn't know a lot <laughs> from what I was reading, but I have also read the myths in the Bible. And they they don't call them myths if you're a Christian. They call them stories of the Bible. However... If you read Greek mythology, you read stories of um, Pericles and Hercules. Um, if you read the Iliad, you will notice that some of these stories are parallel, right? If you are versed in language, well, if you read enough and you pay attention to the words, which I had to do because I didn't understand some of these words because I was in the fourth grade. I had to uh, use my imagination, um, learn how to interpret these words. But then you will notice that some words parallel with Christian beliefs and Christian traditions. But in Christianity, it's, called, it's evil. But, you know, Greek mythology came before that. So you start noticing as you dig deeper that as Christianity came along, in order for it to survive, it had to demonize other religions. Um, so that took me to about the seventh or eighth grade before I realized that stuff. But uh, in the fourth grade, I asked the teacher about this story in Greek mythology it's very similar to this story and in the Christian um in the Holy Bible. That's why I said it. Um and this one came first. But this is just a story. And basically the teacher told me, Hey, this came first. This used to be an actual religion. Um and they believe religion through story. So um, from that, I asked her a question again. I said, hey, so th why did they stop believing in this religion? And my little naive mind at that time was like, is it because somebody climbed to the top of Mount Olympus and didn't see anybody there finally? <laughs> and then 
again, in my little small mind, as a fourth grader, it was like, so basically now instead of them having a heaven that sits on top of a mountain, they make the heaven imaginable. You can never reach it until you die. And then instead of them having, um, I want to say Hades, but instead of them having that version of hell, the river sticks and all that stuff, but you can reach it a certain way. You can't reach it. If it's hell, you have to die. And then sudden just popped in my mind that everything was a lie <laughs> and I needed to study more stuff. So, um, that was a very hard time for me when it came to religion. But what it did was, uh, as I grew older, uh, back then I only knew what I knew. I only knew um, Roman mythology, Greek mythology, Christian um, mythology. And then as I grew older, well, I knew of Michael Metz. And then uh, after I seen Michael Metz, and then I got into I got interested in a girl and she brought me into um the five percent nation as far as um learning my degrees and then basically from there um I just kept moving and while I was a five percenter I also studied everything I could get my hands on about other religions. I have sisters that belong to um, certain religions. Um, matter of fact, I have two people that I call my sister that are two completely different uh, religions. And I have been very close. I live with them for at least like three months each and stuff like that. So I learned closely how to follow the rules until... Sure. It's 2021 and 2013. I could loosely speak um, Hebrew and Arabic, uh, but it was just something that I was learning. So I was basically at the kindergarten level <laughs> where I knew words and sounds and the alphabet, but um, not much more. Um, what helped was my 5% of what I learned in um, the degrees to 120, or 5%, which I am for disciplinary reasons. I am starting to get back into that. Um, not as a religion, but as a practice of discipline. Um, so anyway, when it comes to religion, I and social um norms in different cultures i've studied a lot of that stuff so when i hear someone start going hotel <laughs> um i i automatically get defensive and it's because me knowing as much as i know we all come from one thing <laughs> um all religion comes from one thing it's just dissected over and over and over again. Um, we call them different things, but all modern religions that's uh, that only believe in one um, God. 
same thing. It all comes from one thing. Um, so anyway, I get defensive when I hear stuff like that, but I don't. Basically, I don't fly off the handle or anything. I listen for a while um, before I start saying things because God gave me two ears. God gave me two eyes. And even though I talk a lot, I only have one mouth. But when I start talking, I make sure I know what I'm talking about sometimes. Like this podcast is aimed to not bring, um, to not basically study everything we talk about when we talk about it. We want to be wrong sometimes and be corrected sometimes. It's it's meant to be a authentic conversation about new things. <laughs> um that we don't prep for. Like we don't prep for them, we don't study anything, we don't make sure we got any, everything right. We just do it. So, um when I started talking about Umar, it was basically last year. I think last March was the first thing I said about Umar. Um it wasn't on the podcast. It was actually someone gave him a bunch of praises on Facebook and I said um and it's just information he put out on Breakfast Club. I said Umar Johnson said he will have a school built by March of this year. And that was last year, 2020. Understanding there's a pandemic. But they didn't shut the world down until March. <laughs> the world didn't start panicking until April. So the school should have been close to finished by then. But then I found out that Umar has been getting donations for the school for damn near a decade. And that's when my ears perked up. Like, he's a well-respected person. And he's been raising money for how long to build a school for what? And he's actually building two schools. So... If it's damn near a decade, I'm sure codes change. Like, I mean, I've with my IT degree, we have to study structural um, infrastructure and structural changes that that come along. Um, even from the time he started, and now there's different codes when it comes to. Oh, somebody's calling. Even from when he started until now, there's different code when it comes to IT uh, equipment that's used. Like the wiring went from, um, I'm not going to get into it because a lot of people won't understand it. But the wiring changed. Um, the um, the wires that's used to connect uh, Ethernet ports and basically computers and televisions and the structure of wiring changed for buildings. So with it changing, with that one thing changing, there, I'm sure there's other codes that he will have to go back through <laughs> and get changed along the way. So when you build a building, if you're building it from the ground up, uh, a year or two, like depending on how big the building is, like a school, 
a school should probably take about two years, three years to complete. The school he's building was already there. <laughs> he is renovating the schools, which is different and should not take that long. So that though that's the biggest caution that I have for him. But when it comes to things that he say, if you erase the whole tepness about it, he says a bunch of good things. So I do not dislike Dr. Umar Johnson. I think some of the things that he talk about is very good to hear. When he's talking about these black women that need to be, well, he says it one way. And I'm going to say it the way that I say it. But we're going to say very close to the same thing. But because I don't want to mess his words up, I'm going to say it the way I say it. Black women should not be out here changing the way they look to look like white women are men who dress up as women in order to feel better about themselves. And I'm not saying that they only have one choice to go around looking natural. What I'm saying is you should not feel like you need to do that. If that's something you need to do, by God, do it. If it's something that you want to do for yourself, go ahead and do it. Now, there's men like me, like I don't like. So I am old school when it comes to this. <laughs> I'm Steve Harvey. I'm old school. Um, <laughs> I would rather. So if there's a. And I'm, I'm going to use it with numbers. So I want all men and women to visualize this. Close your eyes. Whatever your preference is in looks, close your eyes. Imagine a 10. The 10 is wearing makeup from the top of her um, forehead to the bottom of her chin. The 10 has weaving her head all the way down her back, if that's what you prefer. Um... The tan is dressed up in the tightest of clothes and the highest of heels. Um, all dressed up, right? Keep your eyes closed. And imagine standing right beside her. It's a seven. But the seven is all natural. These two black women. Whatever your preference is. But she's a seven against a 10 10 times out of 10 single me will holler at the 7 why why because I know what I'm getting it's like walking up onto a, a, a car lot and you see this nice shining car with rims it's, it's shining <laughs> it got rims it has some tinted windows um, dual exhaust. You know what I'm saying? The uh, car dealer hops up in the car, 
while you standing on the curb, turn the thing on and like it sounds great. Sounds great. It's beautiful, beautiful calling outside. Um, but then you you buy the car and you sit in and you be like, mm, it stinks. Um, you go automatically go get it shampooed out and stuff like this after you paying for it, and then um you find out. Like two months later, you can't get that smell out your car, and then you go look at uh, the Carfax, and you find out that that car was in a flood zone and got flooded out like three months before. And basically, what the car dealership did was bring it in, dry it out, um, put a little bit of sawdust in the um, tailpipe to quiet it down, in the so in the engine to quiet it, quiet it down. Um, and and things like that. So, versus, you you get your car fast pulled first. You go get you go to a used car lot. Um, you check the car out inside out. You see there's no blemishes, no nothing with it. And you buy the car. So, what it is is, I would rather know what I'm getting up front than to be around somebody. I mean, than to. get something different i see it's something different i also believe that naturalism is a show of confidence so i prefer natural over anything so um that's basically something i've heard umar it's not exactly what he said but i feel like he stand he stands in that stance where i'm at when it comes to women um, I personally believe that no woman should need or should feel like they need to do anything to themselves in order to enhance themselves. There's somebody out there for everybody, you know. Um <laughs> So, like, um, I think when we got married, I don't even think my wife wore makeup when we got married. So I don't I can't even remember my wife wearing makeup since we've been together so like if she wants to wear makeup she wants to get a perm or something like that she could do it um i don't tell people what they do what they have to do with their body or anything like that so i'm not that kind of type of person i just believe that a woman should not feel like she needs to do things to please other people (laughs) and that includes me like if i was to marry my wife and then she decided she was going to start wearing makeup and stuff. I nothing to say about it. I mean, she, she already knows how I feel about it. So it's still her choice to do what she want to do. It's just what I prefer, period. Um, but she doesn't take that into consideration when she wakes up and do what she want to do with herself. Um, there's plenty of things my wife does that she does because she wants to do it and there's plenty of things I do that I do because I want to do it so that's that's not how I judge the person I'm going the person I'm with that's not I don't judge a person for doing what they want to do um but in a marriage we should have conversations about that we know that about our body each other so she knows what I don't like I know what she don't like 
if she decides to do stuff and if I decide to do stuff, then that's what we do. If somebody, if we want to have an argument over it, it happened or whatever like that. But in my relationship with my wife, we have never had an argument about something she chose to do with her body because it is, it's not serious to me. <laughs> um, So when it comes to Umar, that is something that he speaks highly about that I agree with. Um, I do agree. So there's a lot of things I think different about when it comes to Umar as well. So Umar also believes basically um, black people could thrive away from white people. Basically, if we was to go back into a black Wall Street type of situation. I disagree with that. But here's why. I think the world... Even black people would be better off not going alone to get along at all. But um, integrating with each other, learning with each other, and in wholehearted, full spirit. Like, um, when they integrated schools, they didn't integrate schools for the benefit of black people. They integrated schools for the benefit of of white people. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, sure. We got to go to the same schools. Um, we got to sit in the same classrooms. I'm not going to say we got to get the same education because we were all sitting in the same classrooms. However, more attention still was paid to the white kids in school. I, 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 I went to school in it, so I know. Um, I've seen the shock on people's face when... Uh, I've seen the shock on people's face, when, on the teachers' faces when they realized I was one of the smartest people in my grade. <laughs> um, and I've seen the way things change when they realized that. So... um. It happens. We don't have the same opportunities when it came to living, like living spaces. Like I grew up in the hood. Well, I grew up in on Section Eight. <laughs> you know, I was a welfare kid, so um, I didn't have those same opportunities growing up. As I grew up and started working on at least coming even par with my white counterparts, I realized. We we even though we came up in the same area, we lived two different lives. <laughs> they only let one black kid on the <laughs> on the baseball team. I don't think there was a black kid on the golf team. Um, we lived different lives because in the classroom, more attention was being paid to the white kids. Outside of the classroom. They all still went over to their own corners to learn from each other. We had clan marches in my hometown <laughs> in the 90s. So, and I'm pretty sure we had clan marches last year because my hometown is pretty maggish. No, so, and the Ku Klux Klan 
still have white robes, but they were also able to put on red hats last year and the three years prior. Four years prior, because they started wearing MAGA hats in 2016. Or 15, one of them. But yeah, so with that being said, um, the educational choices were way different. And since the educational choices were way different, uh, in order for me to get on par with my peers, even though in those early years, I'm talking about early um, high school, it was eighth grade when they found out how gifted and talented I was. <laughs> um, but also I, I had I had to overcome a lot because of my living situation with my mom. And when I got, by the time I graduated high school, I didn't even want to go to school no more. Um, I joined the Navy, went off, made some money. Because what I needed to do, and I learned this in high school, that what I needed to do was learn how the world works so that I could learn what I needed to do in order to pass something along to my kids. And at that time, I didn't plan on having kids until I was like 40 <laughs> because I knew I needed a big head start. So, I mean, I got lost a couple of times along the way, got caught up in um, nigga shit. But all the way through that, um, it was things that I learned in order to keep growing. And I, I couldn't have learned. First of all, it's a lot of things I couldn't learn if I didn't at least see white people do the shit. Like, whether it was fucked up or whether it was uh, a good thing. Like, you learn from fucked up shit, you learn from good shit. You don't have to make mistakes to learn from your mistakes. You can learn from somebody else's mistake. So, <laughs> um... Second of all, in order to, so we live in black culture and in black culture, and I, t I learned this doing music, when it comes to black culture, when it comes to entertaining, when it comes to accessories and clothing, when it comes to everything, black people, well, the first thing, and Tupac said this too, the first thing you market to is women. White people will pick up your shit faster than black people. This is only in our community. Everybody else will pick up your shit and rock with it before black people. Once it becomes cool to everyone else, black people pick up. Whenever I started on music, well, I was doing music... I think my first time doing music was like in the eighth grade. Um, and again, small town shit. So um, I had a talent show. Well, I've, I did great in every talent show I've ever been into, any show I've ever done. And then I had a high school talent show where <laughs> I did not prepare for it because I was such a good freestyler. I was like, I'm going to do everything else. And then we just, just going to freestyle out there. So I didn't take it seriously. Um, me and my homeboy Joe, um, JC calling what they called him. <laughs> uh, we got on stage, 
and we wrapped all the shit. So um, he went on, he wrote some stuff, memorized and everything like that. And I went straight freestyle. Hit a good eight bars and then cursed. And then as soon as I cursed, I knew they was about to shut my mic off. So I basically put the mic down and got booed off stage. <laughs> JC got up behind me, redid his shit, got a standing ovation. Came out a second time to put the wrong song on. Uh, I was t- trying to get the DJ to put the right song on so I could do my thing. Um, then got booed off stage again. So I got booed off stage two times in one night. Um, <laughs> other than that, I've had a pretty stellar career when it comes to music. Um, no, I'm not a multi-platinum selling artist or anything like that. Um, my success was to be able to take care of me and take care of family and bills and shit off of only music. So I did that. I paid off bills, bought things, was able to survive off of music by itself. Um, And it was hard because in South Carolina, um, in the Charleston area of South Carolina, you got to put up money to be able to make money. Um, so, which it, they try to make you think it's like that everywhere, but no, no. Um, as an outsider in Atlanta, I had to put up money a couple of times and then I never had to put up money again. I just made that connect. And when I wanted to do something, I went and did it. <laughs> Uh, if I want to go sit somewhere and write for somebody, I went and did it. So it's it's all about clicking up most times. So in the very beginning, it's very hard to go do things. Um, but that's just the way it is. But I learned through that that the first people that would pick up my shit was white people. White people would get my shit. Um, 10,000 albums, um, maybe the first 9,000 was all white people. I ain't gonna say all white people, but you know what I'm saying. Um, I think all together we did about thirty, thirty-five thousand albums. Um, but that's spread over three mixtapes and a fourth one we didn't put out on album form. It just came out digitally, like we just shipped songs on and shit like that. But um. That was all out to Trump. That was um, just basically us getting out and doing shit. Um, but most of our bias in the beginning was white. But then we got to go up on and do stages and on our shows in the very beginning. Most of them motherfuckers were white. Then black people cut on. But what held us down was that we had a white crowd. When I went to Columbia, I hung out in the hood. And the people in that hood, they knew me. They knew I didn't play. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, they would follow me. They would fuck me in the hood. But if I did a show in Columbia, white people would be there first. And then they start coming on. Like, the people from the hood, people, the places where I hung out at, they loved my freestyles. They will buy my tapes at that time, my CDs at that time. But performance white people 
then black people started coming along. But then I moved. <laughs> anyway, but um, so when it comes to integrating on um, technology and and to be able to learn, I think I don't think separating separation is the way to go. I think it, all inclusion is the way to go. I think we need more black people teaching. We need um, to pay teachers more. And we need to make sure that the curriculum is the correct curriculum. We shouldn't be, we should not have a curriculum where Texas decides where everybody learns. That's that's not cool at all. Like, there's no reason to praise the Alamo. <laughs> they got their asses whooped. Everybody died. There's no reason to praise. The Confederacy, they got their ass whooped. <laughs> and then if you teach the true history of America, you'll realize that what, what Texas Rangers, U.S. Marshals, on the FBI, the CIA, when you learn what they really did, like, it's only then, as long as you're hot in history, they could repeat that shit. That's why the 1619 Project, they do not want that shit taught in school because it tells you everything. <laughs> if you knew your history, you learned that Texas was stolen <laughs> from the Mexicans. <laughs> Even though they won it, they was already there. They were there. They was hard. They, Texas, Louisiana, that shit was Mexican. Most of California, Mexico. That shit was taken from them. And even when it was taken from them, they allowed people to go back and forth across the border because guess what? It benefited the white people that took the land. <laughs> because the people was coming over to form the land, going back. And it benefited everybody for them to be able to do that, even though we took that shit. Then afterwards, people want to build walls there. So you go take the shit, you go build a wall. Some shit happened like, oh, motherfuckers ran out of water <laughs> and electricity. Guess what? Guess who came to the rescue Like when people ran out of water and electricity? Mexico. Why? Because they share a waterway. So, you have to learn your history. And when Umar says that we need to separate, that's the only thing. Well, it's two things, two problems I have with him. Uh, one is that that school isn't done. And until that school is done, I feel like he's taking people's money. I don't know if he's doing the malice or not. So, it's just a problem I have. I'm not going to ding him for it much. I just I don't think it's malice behind that. I just think that if I was building a school, <laughs> it won't take me a decade. So, um, and the second thing is I don't think we should exclude white people because we're being the same thing that we are mad at them for doing to us. So, I think the best way to do this is to. It's America, man. 
I think the best way to do it is be all inclusionary. I'll include everybody. But we have to legislate this right. And we have to make sure that the right stuff is getting taught. If we're going to teach history, we need to teach history. We don't need to be teaching revisionist history. We need to teach history. And then basically we need to make sure that our teachers are acting in good faith. They're not paying more attention to the white people than they are the black people. Keep classrooms small. Rotate children a lot. Understand that kids need to jump around and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll have a better school system. There's no reason that in 2021 we are still fighting the same battles from the 1960s. (laughs) That should not still be happening. That is 60 years ago. We we still worry about cops killing us as black people. <laughs> what else used to happen in the 60s that still happening right now? Marijuana is still illegally, illegal. Heroin is still illegal. But... There's a patent on a certain type of heroin that you can get out there now. And it became a problem because white people started getting fucked up off of it. Yeah. Oxycodone. um, Opioids. We have an opioid issue now. What else is still illegal from the 60s? What, What other problems are we having from the 60s that's still here? Redlining. <laughs> yeah, redlining is still a big problem. The wage gap is still it's, it's, it's a huge problem now. We still have these same problems. And you can't tell me that we could put man on the moon, so they say. Um, we could make cars that run off the sun. <laughs> Um, we we have things that we can do now, but we can't fix problems like stop, don't shoot. Like th- this is the this is crazy. It's, it's two thousand. Yeah. So we have to act in good faith when we're making these rules when we're doing things. Uh, yesterday was the anniversary of George Floyd being murdered by a policeman, and shit. As soon as they start. In 2021, uh, I need to check the numbers again, but it is the 26th of May. And on the 13th of May, we've only had three days in America where a policeman did not kill a person. Crazy. Well over 100 days. And we only had three. Well, policemen did not kill a person. So it's the same fight because legislation, uh, our judicial group, not acting in good faith. So, and we will not be acting in good faith if we're not together. So, say it like this 
You grow up a certain way. You hear certain things. And usually your characteristics and all that's formed somewhere between your teenage years and your early 20s. Um, that's why you look back at your favorite song. It's probably somewhere when you was about 14, 15 years old. That's going to be your favorite song throughout your life. Yeah, every time you hear that song, you go stop everything you're doing. Um, kids that start smoking at early ages, it's harder for them to quit. People that start drinking at early ages, harder for them to quit. Yeah, ideology. I mean, people change over time. Um, I, I don't like to say that. I don't think people change. I think situations change, and they react um, differently because of the whole situation. So things change. However, if you grow up a certain way, you always have that in your mind, no matter what profession you go into. If you grow up a certain way and you become a judge, it's in your mind, no matter how impartial you're supposed to be. If you grow up a certain way, you become a rapper. You have things that's on your mind. And it's not going to change just because someone says it's not true. So one of the things that we, we do as humans in America is we don't go and have these conversations with each other, which is why discussions were started in the first place. We need to have conversations with each other. Like, I will sit down and have a heated conversation with a MAGA. <laughs> they will hate me afterwards. And they do. I, I've, I sit down. I don't sit down because of um the pandemic. But I've had conversations. I stood up and had some conversations. And then I had a whole year where I went. I just purpose. So I, growing up, I used to purposely go downtown, find people to beat up. Like men that was overly aggressive and talk shit. So we're talking about chats. If you don't know what a chat is, you can look it up. So I'll find chats and beat up chats. Um, as Facebook came along, like last year, all last year, I just basically, when chats started talking in my timeline, I went in because I feel like um, Facebook is a public forum. And if you don't want me on your page, then you could delete me. However, if you want to spread your thoughts about something, I will go in your comments and destroy you. So, so that's what I did a lot last year. Um, and that's because whether I was downtown beating up chats or talking shit to chats on Facebook, well, magas on Facebook, the reason why is because you have to understand that that's not the way to think. Like, these white people, and I ain't talking about all white people. I'm talking about Magus. I'm talking about the Klan. Like, as long as people keep telling them and their children that that's the right thing to do, they're going to keep doing it. As long as people are letting cops go around killing people with no repercussions, they're going to keep doing it. <laughs> and it is May the 26th. And in the next couple of months 
Roe versus Wade might be turned over. Why? Because black people have been discouraged from voting in places like South Carolina and Georgia for decades. Places like Alabama for decades. The true heart of this country is left-leaning. However, (laughs) black people have been discouraged from voting for decades, whether it's gerrymandering, whether it's um, voter suppression laws, whether it's putting motherfuckers in jail to make sure they don't get to vote, discrimination, they don't get to do any of that. No, so it keeps people from voting. I have friends that didn't know that they they could vote because they've been in jail before Um, and didn't know they could vote till last year. And they say they voted. I doubt some of them voted, but... (laughs) um, that that is those are the things that that happens man so and that happens from the day you are born like these people in my home the people in my hometown that didn't vote they're scared to vote not all of them some of them have been I, i'm gonna say it and this is no slander umar johnson but some of them been hotel to death <laughs> um they don't think they vote counts. They don't think the rules that govern the United States govern them. They don't think it exists correctly. So they they think it's all a sham. No matter what, the person that's going to be the leader is automatically picked. And I say to them, if you think that your vote doesn't count and they handpick who's going to serve as president, before you even go into that voting booth, why the hell you think they start working so hard to stop you from voting? <laughs> you have to beat them at their own game. Um, and this, I do not, anybody that tells you not to vote is your enemy. And that is slander towards Umar Johnson because he's one of the people that says, don't vote. Anybody that tells you not to vote is your enemy because voting, you live in America. And even Malcolm X said, (laughs) you live in the land of your oppressor. You want to be, you want to keep yourself from being oppressed. Then you have to beat them at their own rules. These are jewels (laughs) that these activists give you that you don't listen to because you're listening to people now that tell you don't vote it don't matter what they say do it does matter because us not voting for so long us not putting proper legislation in place us not voting for our um, police chiefs or student councils or anything like that. that's why we keep getting oppressed at the lower levels at the local levels Brianna Taylor was murdered by policemen <laughs> and they tried to suppress that evidence how was they able to try it because they voted they vote on their police chiefs. They vote on their DA. 
But who was voted there? I'm I can guarantee you next time it comes up, things go change. But who was put there in the first place? Stacey Abrams lost her run for governor because the Secretary of State, who was also running for governor, suppressed voting and threw out like 500,000 ballots or something like that. And she lost by like a little bit. I think it was like 60,000 or something like that. But basically, he threw out the ballots. If he wouldn't have thrown those ballots out, most of them would have been hers. <laughs> but what happened? Somebody voted him in that position. And no one put in legislation to make sure that a person that's running for governor could not govern on voter registration. So he fixed the process for himself, which is why Donald Trump was so pissed off because Donald Trump was like, you fixed the race for yourself. You're not going to fix it for me, allegedly, even though it's all on tape. Anyway, so Dr. Umar Johnson, those are the things I like and dislike about what he says. Overall, I don't think he's a malice person. I think he has a message that he wants to get across. And I think we need people like Dr. Umar Johnson because you need, I think you need people like Dr. Umar Johnson. I also think you need a coon or two. <laughs> um, because if you're able to see this type of stuff, you know what not to do. Like, you need a winner and you need a loser. You need losers so you know you, what you don't want to be. You also need losers so you can know how to build character and brace yourself for those type of situations. You need coons so you can know how does it make you feel when you see one and uh, hear one or anything like that. You need a Dr. Umar um, so you can know what black pride looks like in that way. Um, you need a person like me because like, even though he thinks you should separate the black people um, when it comes to education and all this other stuff, and I think it should be all inclusionary, I have reasons for that. And you need people like me because if you have, have only people that want to segregate, then you don't have reasons to think that it will work together. So to me, I don't think he's a bad person. I just think his message is different than mine. And I also think I will have a school together before him. So, <laughs> and I don't graduate with my doctor's degree until next year, if I graduate. So anyway, um, you can find everything that I do at www.distractionnetwork.com. We also have a Patreon. We will start loading our Patreon up in about two weeks. Yay. Uh, until next time. Oh, yeah. So um, like and subscribe.
if you are following us anywhere, if you are following us through our distraction page, you don't have to like or describe. Just comment. I said describe. Subscribe. Um, just comment. But until next time, take care. Be safe. Holla. They stop making my kind. Yeah, I lose sleep, but it's alright because I'm on the grind.